everyone. Welcome back to Z or Not to Z, the survival guide on how to interact with Generation Z. I'm your host, Riley, the millennial who's too old to hang out with hip Zoomers and too young to move back into my mom's basement with a bachelor degree in communications. Today, I have my adorably out-of-touch Gen X guest who's been working on the same advertising book that is totally going to be done this year. And he still isn't sure if Megan the Stallion is just another nickname for Megan Markle. Yasin, hello. Well, thanks for for having me here, Riley. It's, uh, you know, one day I'm going to get this book done. It's uh, still in the making, but it's only been 10 years. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Yasin. So today we're going to be looking at everything from myths and misconceptions about Gen Z through their eyes, as well as taking current a look at current trends in the advertising industry. First, we're going to be looking at myths and misconceptions. Now, you see, when we were having Thanksgiving dinner the other week, uh, you loved to tell me with some colorful language that you don't think Gen Zs uh, own any property. Well, today I wanted to read you an article that actually 10% of Canadian Gen Z owners Gen Z owns home already, compared to millennials that don't. So, how do you think about that? Wow, I'm I'm honestly surprised. I thought after seeing millennials, that uh, none of these uh, Gens then these Zoomers would own any homes. But I wonder why that is. I guess uh, they might just have different streams of income. But I don't know. Looking at this market. It would seem like um, the other way around. Like I would have assumed that buying a house is so expensive nowadays that um, gen Zoomers would have would struggle to buy a house. And uh, being a Generation X yourself, do you own your own home? You seen, or do you rent still? Um, no, I do own my own home, but it, I'm not going to say it was easy. You know, I had to work hard for my home and it wasn't a one man job. You know, I had someone else to help me out. My beautiful wife, uh, Melinda, you know, and, uh, we had to work hard together to, to get this house. So I'm really impressed if, uh, they're able, uh, <clears throat> to have a home you know i'm but i'm pretty sure it's probably because they're always you know job switching always chasing after the the biggest paycheck you know? i was just gonna like back in my day we had loyalty i was just gonna ask did you work at one job to pay off for your home or did you work at multiple jobs i mean i had a as soon as i i i graduated you know i got a my first job um and i just worked my way up from there it was uh i was a junior designer and um I don't. I was working for uh, an advertising agency here in Ottawa, and I just uh, worked my way up. Um, I think I, I considered even switching jobs. Five years in the job, so um, I don't know. I see. I see a lot of Zoomers now, and they just switch jobs every year. I don't know. Is there some sort of what's going on? Is that just that they're never happy with their job, or or what the heck's going on with that? Uh, personally, I think that job switching is coming more out of the willingness and want to switch careers uh with covid and all of this uncertainty that's been going on with the last few years it's been difficult to narrow down and find your true passion and i think that people are just looking for any way that they can stay afloat and i think specifically gen z is looking for uh, any method of or manner that they're able to do that and whether that's uh, switching jobs or careers midway through their life i think that uh, it is a more common thread all along um the professional career and not just with Generation Z. I think that's another wonderful point that you made though, is that um, it it is more common. One thing I do believe that is also more common is uh, volunteering across uh, across the, the nation. Now, if you had to take a guess, uh, which 
generation or age group do you think is doing the most number of volunteer jobs out there? So the most number of organizations being helped, the most number of um, people being helped. What age group do you think that might be? Um, maybe millennials. I guess uh, they're like the new generation that's really up and coming that I've noticed at least that, that are really into um, helping out the environment and all these new uh, methods of just helping all around. I definitely agree. I think millennials being able to be in their job and have a stable income, potentially owning a home or renting a home, I think that it does leave them some time to be able to volunteer. I personally believe that that them having children or them being at the age where people and families predominantly do have children might affect it. So I just wanted to pull up a statistic here that I saw on Statistics Canada, and it was actually Generation Z that helps out the most number of volunteer organizations. Now, that being said, boomers are still the number one leading volunteer in terms of hours, but Generation Z is helping out the highest number of organizations. So that means that they are trying out different things, they are working with different organizations, and they're seeing which one is right for them at a young age. Do you think that you were as philanthropic or helpful when you were their age? Or did you find that you became more giving later on in life? I guess um, that's really impressive. I guess, no, uh, I never really thought about it. Uh, I mean, as a kid, I always thought about doing my own thing and, and you know, graduating through school and university and all that. And I guess uh, I would have just done it like my parents are doing it right now. You know, they're retired. They have nothing better to do with their time. Um, so they're just helping out the community. And I guess uh, it's just I always thought it was a way to um, for elder people to help out um, those in need. Uh, when they have nothing to do. But it's really impressive hearing that it's not just the boomers that are helping out the community or the millennials, but instead the new generation, the one where we all think, you know, they're lazy, they don't do anything. So that's definitely something cool that I learned today. I think it is definitely hopeful and uh, gives me a little bit of uh, uh, joy that our youngest generation is very philanthropic. I think that um, certainly older generations are as well, but I think it happens later in life. So I'm excited to see what this generation has to come for the, the volunteer landscape in the future. All right. We are here for our second segment of the day, my personal favorite terms and conditions. Now, Yassine, if you get three of these rights, you will win a personalized to Z or not to Z mug and pen. So, I'm going to be asking you seven to ten terms. Okay? We'll see how it goes. And I'm going to give you 30 seconds each to give me your definition. If you don't have one, you're able to pass. Please don't pass. (gasps) So, are you ready? No Google. Hands up. Um, Hands up. (laughs) My hands are up. Don't worry about it. My hands are up. No cheating. No cheating. All right. First term, straight bussin'. This food is straight bussin'. Oh, you're giving me an example? Um, I guess um, amazing, delicious. Okay, okay. That is correct. All facts, no printer. Damn. Riley be spitting all facts, no printer. Uh, 
uh, I guess uh, Riley knows it all. Like uh, Riley never says any opinions. He's he's got all the facts, you know, from the from the Google. Is that, is that what it is? It is only saying the truth and a correct statement that might not be wanting to be said. So I was been saying all facts, no printer. Generalization Z is great. All right. Wait, isn't there? Um, I remember hearing way back in the day there was, um, what was it? Um, Trill was that? Is that? I think that might be our version of Trill. Is that? I don't know. Um, maybe I think that's what it is. That, we'll okay. have to put that on the on the next uh, on the next episode of Terms and Conditions. So this one is uh, this one's just for you. So Yasin was walking by, and his wife caught his his side profile, and she goes. Sheesh. Oh, she must think I'm handsome. Is that what it's all about? I will uh I will give that one to you. Correct. That is a it is a good term. It's to say wow, that's impressive. So could be used in, in that scenario, yes. Um the next term is simp. I am a simp for Master Chef. What the heck? A simp. S-I-M-P. Uh, for MasterChef? This makes no... What? What is he? Like, some of, is this something about the Simpsons? Like, what is this about? What is this word? <laughs> uh, a simp is a devoted fan or someone who is very obsessed with something. So I am a simp for Gordon Ramsay and MasterChef. Specifically, Pionk, okay, Pionk, okay. Pionk. wait, wait. Okay, let me let me try it out. Okay. Then. So, can I say I'm a simp for chocolate? I love chocolate so much, I simp yes, for it. Yes, yes. Okay, Good okay. Job. I'm gonna bring this one back to my granddaughter. Oh, wow. I love bet it. she'll love she'll it. Love it. <laughs> All right, now the next one. You seem be killing this interview. No cap. Uh. No, I guess, I'm assuming it's no lie. Something about no cap and Yasin is killing this interview. Um, it has to be. It has to be something about not lying, right? I will give you this one. This one, I'll give you a half point. No cap is something similar. No lie. I'm serious. He can't stop. You you got to keep going. No cap. Are you serious? Okay. Okay. Oh, interesting. Now the next one. I'm not sure if you've heard this one. Um, the potato was very hot when I grabbed it out of the oven, so I yeeted it. Y e e t e d. Now, oh, you, you may also use it <laughs> as an adjective or a verb to yeet. So you can use in different tenses. What? Oh man. <laughs> um is this to like throw or something? Like are you is, are they throwing the potato? Yeet is to violently or forcefully throw an object. Correct. Oh, okay. Okay, look at me. I'm uh, I'm hip. I'm hip with the the zoomers. Maybe you'll see me in the next episode or something. <laughs> no, this is the perfect final one. Yasin is killing the terms and conditions section 
on God. I swear, there's a lot of uh, killing involved. You sure this is for everyone? Um, I, I, I'm, I, I, I think this one's pretty easy. Like, I'm pretty sure this is. Uh, they're swearing to God, right? Like, they they're swearing or something. This one is actually like, praising uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm just joking. It, it's not. It's just. It's just saying. It's just saying. <laughs> I thought you were serious for a second. <laughs> it's just saying thank you. It's just saying thank God. <laughs> It's uh, be, it's similar to no cap, no, so, so you could use it. Okay, uh, okay. I ha- I so had why, you so on the line there you... on God. Yeah. Uh, okay. So when when do you know how to use no cap or on God? Are they like interchangeable? Hmm. No cap would be more of a I'm so serious. Like no cap, you can't play with me. On God is more something okay. like I swear to God. I I'm not lying. So. No cap would be more more uh, active, you know, you know. Whereas on God is like I, I swear. So Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'll start using these words that I learned, you know? Um, You're gonna be straight uh, busting in my- no time. <laughs> <laughs> oh like, on God all facts, no printer. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's it. I've mastered these words now. <laughs> oh my god! So next we have a hot topic section from Hot Topic. Thank you to our sponsors at Hot Topic. Please use our discount code to see or not to see today for a easy and breezy checkout. Now, Yasin, we just wanted to ask you, our resident old sorry generation x there are advertising offices all around the world you said you got your personal start at one in around ottawa now a lot of these places have gone to either hybrid or completely closing their advertising offices or business offices like shopify for example zulu alpha kilo has said goodbye to their formal office as they transition to completely and everything remote how do you think this is going to affect the current work culture? And do you think that this is going to be a permanent feature or that we will end up going back to quote unquote normal? Um, no, I think this definitely um, is going to change in the long term because people are just more used to the idea of working from home now. Um, personally, I'm I'm gonna say I I really like going to the office. You know, I had my little um, figurines on the in the corner that I love to collect. Um, I thought it was a great idea having to get out of the house um, just to go to your office. But I mean, I don't know. I, in a sense of a business decision, I think it's really smart. You know, why pay for something an office that's not necessarily going to be used? Um, as opposed to everyone gets to stay home, which is the space they're going to use to do all their work. Um, however, I'm really curious to see how that's going to affect work dynamic, because seeing this new generation, the Gen Z, uh, the Gen Z, Z, sorry, or the Zoomers as we like to call them, um, they're just gonna, they're not, they're not gonna have that that pleasure of finally going to the office, getting their first desk um their first office get to decorate their office space get to interact with um their their co-workers face to face i think um 
that aspect or that chemistry might not be there as much. And um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see um, how things are going to evolve because maybe it's going to be a hybrid change. Um, I think that would be interesting to see as well um, where it might help with um, group dynamics and chemistry and see how that could influence um, the workflow, especially in the ad advertising industry setting where everything is group works and you're always going to be working with someone else. Since everything is so collaborative in this advertising industry, do you think that the group dynamics are going to change and negatively affect them? Or do you think it's easier for more people and more accessible now that everything is from home? Personally, I find it easier to have a work-life balance at home because I don't spend time commuting or I'm not spending time getting my lunch together. And I have those few extra minutes around the house to either you know, spend time with my cat or with my fiance. So there's a lot of different things that you get without sit going into the office. But I understand your point of view because decorating your office and making your own personal space with figurines or photos or anything of the like becomes a truly special thing. And you have a place that you can go and stay that is yours, that is away from your home. Do you think that people are going to have an issue separating their work-life balance more so if this hybrid or remote work continues? Or do you think that it's just going to meld together and become this weird hybrid? Um, I think, um, I think there's, okay. So I do agree in the sense of your point where it's, um, people commuting, um, to work, it definitely saves time for a lot of people. And that is a positive thing, um, where they don't have to waste two hours of the day if they're, they're taking one hour just to commute. Um, However, you got to also take into consideration that you only get to work with a certain group of people. Let's say maybe you'll work with five to ten people, even if it's in a big company. Uh, whereas if you were in person, you if you come in in the morning, you might have the chance to interact with others that are part of the company. You know, in the morning, you might get a make your coffee you might get to talk to a senior or someone new that you never met before and i think if you're really extroverted in a sense that's great you know you get to make your networking um you get to build connections and you just get to learn new personalities and new things in general um so i think maybe if we were to switch into a hybrid that would be best where you get to do get the best of both worlds however um, sorry. Can you re- can you repeat? Sorry, can you repeat the no, question okay. again? Do you do you think that having this hybrid or remote work from home, do you think it's going to meld work life balance together, or do you think it's going to help separate the two? Do you think it's going to help improve it and make it more healthy, or do you think that because of working from home, it's going to become this kind of amalgamation of work and life, and this never really stops? Because when you go to the office, you can so, go and then leave, and you have this, you know, very strict and start kind of thing. But when you're at home, you don't have these, you know, these limitations around you. Actually, I think um, when when everything started becoming more um, remote, I know I heard there's a few people that actually struggled to to limit themselves because. Um, Everyone's just expected to answer their phone, right? As soon as 
uh, there's a phone call and everyone is meant to be right in front of the screen. I think there's definitely some people that struggled with the idea of work-life balance because everything is just intermingled. So in a sense, you could say, yes, it definitely has affected effective, affected life negatively um, in, the, in that balance. Awesome. Thank you so much for your answer, Yassine. I really appreciate uh, your input on the thoughts of the question, and I'm really happy to uh, continue chatting about this. Welcome to our last and final section for the day, Pop Culture Shock. So today, Yassine, we could teach you about so, so much. We could teach you about Little Nas X twerking on the devil. We could talk about Little Nas X being pregnant. We could talk about Megan the Stallion and what, what is a WAP. Or we could look into... Travis Scott and the absolute mess that was Astro World. Now, you seen since we like to be topical and so does Gen Z and they forget everything that happened last week, we're going to talk about Travis Scott Astro World. Now, tell me, good sir, have you heard anything about the uh, the event that perspired? I heard a little bit about it. Um, something about a bunch of kids dying in a in a concert or something I, it was pretty crazy yeah it's a very um, uh, very sad story i don't want to sugarcoat it too much there was a there was a total of eight people that have been reported dead up to this point and the youngest being an 11 year old boy named ezra uh, it's quite sad how everything is being handled and uh, we just wanted to talk with you and see your opinion on it now personally one of uh travis scott himself as well as the organizers are being sued but personally do you think that the musician himself should be liable for this event at his concert for these for these uh events that happen at his concert i mean isn't he the one uh i think uh in part his his uh not necessarily just him but his studio, um, or is it their, his record label, it was? The ones that are managing him, because they're the ones that are setting up and booking up all these events. And I think they should be ultimately at fault, because um, they could have seen how many tickets to be like are being sold and all that. Like, as an artist, I assume um, that they could only fit in so many people in a stadium. I don't know... From my understanding, it was because there's too many people, right? That's why they all died? Yeah, the, the the main issue of it being that they had oversold tickets. The people at the front of the crowd were very, very close. And uh, Travis Scott has a history of not inciting riots, but making his crowds very, very excited. It's a very intense kind of music. I'm not sure if you've listened to it. Um, but what happened was there was a few people who fell over at the front. It caused a shockwave throughout the crowd. And people just began falling all throughout the crowd and passing out. That coupled with heavy drug use that is very normal and normalized at these concerts um, created a deadly mix of both overdoses as well as people being trampled to death. Now, another situation that you did bring up is the number of people and the organizers at fault. One thing that people have been criticizing the organizers in the event for is that it was an all-ages event. So, like I said, the youngest person that was uh, that was hurt at this event was 11 years old. How do you feel about children being allowed at this venue um, when there's surprise events, there's adults doing drugs and this kind of thing? Do you think it should have been a 21-plus event? Do you think that would have changed anything, or do you think that would have the same uh, events would have transpired? 
I mean, I think um, listening to an artist should be um, something um, anybody at any age should be able to do. Um, however, I think if there were kids at that age, um, I think the organizers would have expe- should have expected that at least, right? Um, and they should have taken the proper precautions. At least have instilled the idea of like having an adult coming with them but even then like how is anybody s- supposed to re- understand and know that their kid is about to get trampled to death at a concert right something that is supposed to be exciting and fun for s- people of all ages right um yeah so this idea i think they're totally at fault if it was something about the amount of people that were on the floor and maybe have um, some sort of parental control um, to help. I don't know. Uh, that's my point of view about it. I, I do agree that uh, the overall organization and advertisements towards the the festival were very uh, were very dark and had a demonic kind of tone to it. Now, I agree with you. I don't think that the type of music or um, the venue should even should hurt or affect the, your ability to go enjoy music. I think that that's one thing that truly should be able for anyone ever to enjoy safely. And, you know, it's interesting because you see these other concerts like of a similar type of, you know, aggressive music, like Avenged Sevenfold, for example, and they are very uh, passionate about their, about their fans. And, you know, even though they have a, an, a different kind of music with a similar intensity, you know, these crowds and these people are able to, you know, fully enjoy their music and their time safely. So it's it's quite sad that this event specifically um, for this artist turned into such a, a massacre. And truly one of the things that I wanted to speak with you about was um, how not only how it was um, poorly planned, but how it was dealt afterward. In an event like this, I think one of the most important things that a brand can think about is their PR. And, you know, we might forget that Travis Scott um, – is not just a person he also is a brand so do you think that the um handling around the festival was done properly for example one of the uh one of the children and all of the plaintiffs that were that were caused death and serious harm harm the uh travis scott and his management group offered to pay for their funeral expenses now that might seem like a nice thing up front but when you think about it that would allow them to be um free of any liable or legal charges so do you think that this payment towards you know helping out to pay the funeral was in good faith or do you think that this was just a a pr move to help travis scott the brand i mean i think regardless um it was an expectation um i think it might it might have been more of a pr thing than anything um because i'm i'm trying to think right now but had they had maybe more bodyguards or or more people to help out to to handle the crowd, that might have been a way to mitigate you know this whole situation, and it's um it's kind of sad really um but yeah no I think um it was the least they can do doesn't Travis caught I heard um he had something um with McDonald's I believe he had some sort of partnership I'm wondering how. Um, I'm really curious to see actually how this is going to affect his partnership because um, a brand like McDonald is always 
uh, promoting something happy, um, and they don't they want to be out of trouble of uh, negative press for sure. So I'm kind of curious to see how this is going to affect um, his partnership or sponsorship with McDonald's. Yeah, it truly is uh, a question for for the PR team because it's it is a, an event that happened that is truly disgusting and despiseful, and it's it. It is tough, difficult because he has these brands, he has these um, sponsorships, and it's uh, it's difficult for these brands to to take a stand and make a make a choice because it's when when is enough enough, and it's difficult because someone like McDonald's perhaps they you know have a lucrative deal or offer with Travis Scott, but uh, with this kind of news and backlash, it does not fit their family ideals or happy outlook. So even with you know good PR and um, strong focus placed on that it truly is um an event that can ruin a brand so it's it's interesting to hear your opinion on whether or not pr specifically could help rebuild the travis scott brand or not so i mean i think um if we're just talking about pr in general i think for sure um what was the i remember hearing um a quote i can't remember from whom but it was, it was. If I were to summarize it, it was pretty, uh, saying that um, the only time any PR is good PR, I believe that was the quote, and just is just to build some sort of connection uh, between Travis Scott and the audience. But I wonder, has he been brought to the court about it? Like how how is it handled up to now? Like um, I also heard something along the lines of. Um, Drake even showed up too for that concert. Um, did he get involved as well? Like, was he in any? Did he get any sort of repercussion? I'm kind of curious to to hear how Drake was kind of brought into the picture because I also heard that he was in in the concert as well for Astro World, and yeah. Yeah, the the quote that you are are referencing is "There's no such thing as bad publicity" by P.T. Barnum. Um, that being said, I think that that is not necessarily the case. Specifically with the Drake example that you're talking about, um, he was a surprise guest, which some people are saying might have incited the crowd even more. But again, it goes back to our conversation of why can't someone just go to a concert to enjoy their, you know, the music and have to worry about, you know, a potential a guest coming out and hurting and having the crowd go get too excited and hurting everyone. So the legal actions, there is a mega lawsuit. That's not a adjective I use. That is literally what it's called. It was a mega lawsuit towards Travis Scott and uh, his conglomerates suing him for 11 people that have passed away and over I think it was a disgusting amount of people that are injured. And so this uh, this lawsuit is going towards him as well as all the organizers and should be brought to terms in the next few years. Um, and that will be coming out of it. it that uh, interesting question that you brought up is whether Drake is liable for any of this or whether the artist Travis Scott is liable. Now, we know that Travis Scott, the brand, is liable, but is this specific person or Drake liable? Because were they expected to see the people in the crowd being hurt? Were they expected to see these people? Not necessarily, but it comes down to this moral question of, of whether or not they should have. And I think that is one of those nuances and one of those more uh, difficult things to put on and choose that these brands like McDonald's are going to have to make the choice of, is it worth it to work with Travis Scott, the brand, 
even though you know Travis Scott, the person might be an okay guy, the brand is tainted. The brand is tampered is is tampered with, and no matter the PR, it might it, um it no matter what the PR is, it might hurt. Um, it might hurt the brand. So it's uh it's interesting to see what's going to come of this in the next few years and how Travis Scott as a musician is going to continue. He, uh, he has very lucrative deals with Nike and other shoe producers and produces some very sought after shoes. So it's interesting to see how this is going to be handled and whether or not uh, Travis Scott is going to be able to recover both financially and uh, his brand identity. So thank you so much for, uh, for your input today. And I really appreciate your, your thoughts on the, on the matter. Oh, no, thank you. Anytime, anytime. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. We hope you had a good time listening. Make sure to tune in next week's episode featuring Kayla, the professional full-time Gen Z YouTube meditation guru. Make sure to subscribe on Spotify to catch new episodes every week and to support us, buy some of our amazing merch. Catch you next week.